1: Before investing, carefully consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Co.
2: Welcome to Crack the Customer Code, where your hosts, Jeannie and Adam, unlock the secrets to keeping your customers happy and coming back for more.
0: Jeannie, this episode will not be the first episode in which we have had a Terminator reference. Oh,
1: dear Lord, no. I love that.
0: I got to say we've got, I've gone to that well a few times but here's what's cool I'm happy to bring to you today a different form of terminator reference because <laughs> so no we Skynet? have Skynet no we're not talking about Skynet or the machines taking over today we've got our mutual good friend industry guru the awesome the of course amazing chef hike on the podcast, and he is discussing his new book, which is... GD. I want to hear you did it. I, I did, uh, you know, I do it in the interview. I want to hear you give me a good I'll Be Back.
1: Yeah, but I, I don't know about this. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I'll be back. I don't very know.
0: good. Nobody can do a good... Well, it's not true, <laughs> but I can't do a good one, and it's fine. You see, we, we all do it. And yeah, it's great. It's a great book uh, and a great interview because uh, Shep dropped some serious knowledge about why customers terminate us right why do they leave Mm -hmm. and the importance of retention
1: yeah i think there's there's so much here that like he was even joking about it like yeah we know we know some of these things it's common sense but we need to hear them differently because if we don't really address why customers come back then it's really easy to be measuring the wrong things to be looking in the wrong places to really not get your arms around what a great customer experience is really all about so I, I, yeah, I had a great time, and I think uh, anybody who listens to this will, first of all, want to watch the Terminator again. <laughs> of course, and, and want to run out and get his book because he he has a lot of great little tidbits here, some new research coming out, some exciting things. All right, let me tell you about Shep, our good friend Shep Hyken, is a customer service and experience speaker, and is an international leading authority on customer service, customer experience, and loyalty in business. Shep is the author of now eight this is his eighth best-selling book i'm I'm just putting it out there i'm just predicting (laughs) that have made the new york times wall street journal usa today and more shep has worked with thousands of companies and organizations who want to build loyal relationships with their customers and employees he has been inducted into the national speakers association hall of fame for lifetime achievement in the speaking profession shep it is always a delight to have you here on crack the customer code welcome it's so good to have you here
2: it's great to be back.
0: <laughs> Welcome back, my man. And I cannot believe I'm about to say this, but this is your eighth book on customer service we are about to discuss. That is crazy. Congratulations. What an incredible milestone. Yeah. What an incredible legacy you have well, in this you. industry. The thank Ocho. He's, he's the great. Ocho. The Ocho. Yes. <laughs> Shep Ocho. I love it. <laughs> Shep Ocho. All right, but let's dig right in because I want to hear about this book. So in Chapter 2, you discuss the most important measurement in business that leaders should consistently monitor. Now, we always love to talk about measuring in customer experience and service. So what is it?
2: Well, and by the way, the book is titled I'll Be Back how to get your customers to come back again and again. Um, just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that would help, right? <laughs> that would help. Um, and so the important measurement, it's simply this, and and it it is, does the customer actually come back? So we always measure satisfaction on a scale of one to five or one to 10. You know, were you happy with the product, the service, et cetera, et cetera? You know, net promoter score, scale of zero to 10, what's the likelihood you recommend? all of those are great measurements and we need to get those because we have to understand the sentiment of a customer and i will tell you it's also a history lesson because it happened yesterday or last week and it will give you an indication of what you can fix going forward or what is going right moving forward but it doesn't give you an indication of the actual behavior and where this really became apparent to me was when one of my clients who is in the hair salon franchise business hundreds and hundreds of franchises across North America, uh, actually internationally. uh, And they said, it's one thing to know if we did a good job, but it's another thing to know if they're coming back. So what they did is they tracked the average customer, depending upon, was it a male, a female, long hair, short hair, whatever. uh, They had different uh, expectations based on, you know, or what expectation what a truly uh, loyal customer would be or a repeat customer would be. And They said, this is what we strive for. We don't just strive for satisfaction. We strive for behavior. And that is, if somebody should be coming back once a month, do they do that? And so uh, when they do, therefore, they're measuring behavior instead of history. And I want people to think about that. This is appropriate in every business, B2B, B2C. Does the customer come back? Once they do come back, you should measure frequency. You should measure how much they spend and how that is different from the one-time or occasional customer.
0: I love that, and you know, I love it because that's about the real tangible results. We always talk in customer experience about you know what what is the dollar at the end of this rainbow, and mm-hmm. of course, retention is part of that dollar. So one thing you mentioned stood out to me, Shep, and that was. Uh, your your client that was differentiating between customers. And is that something you recommend and you found in your research is when you're looking at the retention rate, when you're looking at who stays, you know, viewing that in, you know, tranches or by customer segment.
2: Well I want you to think about my, my favorite example this is Nike. What is Nike doing to feel uh, that, that make that customer feel connected with them. And that is they have this uh, Nike, I don't know if it's a membership program or or whatever. It's free, okay? Mm-hmm. But what they do is they understand who their customers are. It's a, it's a level of personalization. So I buy running shoes from Nike. They don't promote soccer shoes, wrestling shoes. They don't promote anything else. Now, I recently bought golf shoes from them. Now I'm starting to receive occasional emails about not just golf shoes, which, by the way, they while well, they sent me information about running shoes, they also sent me information about, you know, the latest and greatest tips to make my experience not just using their product better, but my workouts better. They're going to send me golf tips to make my game better, not just make my feet feel comfortable when I'm on the golf course. <laughs> so they've segmented me into the type of customer I am. So back to that experience. At the hair salon, and by the way, if you know me, and I know you can't see me, you can only hear me. I don't have hair, and I always thought that was ironic that they would hire the bald guy to come and talk to a bunch of. Salon you can owners. be very
1: objective about it.
2: I don't go to a salon anymore, uh, but uh, anyway, the point is, if somebody has you know curly hair, like my wife has really curly hair, that's a specialty. What's the, what, what would they be interested in? They'd be interested in new products as it, as it applies to her type of hair. Uh, maybe a new way of maintaining a, a special look. But same thing. Segment your customers into the type of customer they are. Market to them appropriately. Give them value-added information to create a better experience that doesn't just say, I'm selling to you, but says, I care about you, getting you the right information, and I want you to value our relationship beyond just the financial interactions that we have.
1: Yeah, and I think you you summed it up because essentially it's a relationship, right? It's a mm-hmm. it's a way to continue the relationship by offering value beyond the product transaction, which is essentially what we're what we talk about in customer experience. We need to build these relationships. And one of the things you say in your book in in the new book I'll be back, you say something <laughs> that that stuck out to me and that was that nothing has really changed in customer service. But, you know, when you think about just how long the three of us have been in the industry and, of course, Shep, you've been in a little longer, you've seen some of these changes with technology and how things are supported and we've got AI and all of these really cool things. So, so, what's your argument there for how nothing has changed in customer service?
2: Well, let's for I think nothing has changed from the very beginning of time as far as what the expectation and the outcome is. Customer mm-hmm. comes to you with a question or a problem that's been happening forever, right? And by the way, they can come with you to for any reason whatsoever, at the end of that interaction, or maybe it's several interactions to where that finally um, you know ends, that that whatever experience is, At the end, the customer wants to be happy or have confidence, something positive. So it starts off with a question, a problem, issue, whatever, and ends where the customer's happy. Can you tell me if with all the technology, has that changed at all? No. No. But what has changed, there is something that has changed. It's what happens in the middle. It's the techniques that we use. We've gotten better at it. We've gotten more efficient. We've gotten beyond just talking. We can now do it digitally. We can use artificial intelligence to allow for a greater, faster, quicker response time. And that has changed. But in the end, the beginning and the end are exactly the same. It hasn't changed at all. And it probably won't for the next, I don't know unforeseeable yes. future right
1: until <laughs> until the robots are serving the other robots then they'll have different
0: expectations right maybe. <laughs> right <laughs> they will Ro- robots are very finicky I've learned <laughs> so you know one thing when you mentioned the things in customer service that hasn't changed uh, one of the things is the you know, relationship between a satisfied customer and a customer that returns and you mentioned that 60 to 70 percent of satisfied customers don't return and in chapter 14 of the book, you cover 10 reasons and I love this cuz I'm a huge terminator fan. 10 reasons a customer would terminate their relationship. You
1: have with. to say it with the voice, Adam. T- terminate. Terminate.
2: How about how about say say I'll be back that way. Go ahead, go for it. I'll be back that's good, that's good. good. <laughs> yeah i'll be back so much better <laughs> so just so you know when i started writing this book i had no idea that it would take on a feel of the terminator i wrote this you know what do we want our customers to say we want them to say i'll be back and then we want them to actually do it mm-hmm. right <laughs> so how do we get exactly. that to happen that's where it started and after about uh my fifth paragraph maybe second page i don't know what it was i'm going Oh, I think there's an opportunity here to play off these famous words. I'll be back. So, yes, I use some Terminator technology vocabulary (laughs) throughout the book. And and so the 10 likely reasons your customer will terminate you, I will share with you the top three. And you'll see in a moment, it's one and two are pretty much the same. But it's, you know, you were apathetic. You acted like you didn't care which is almost as bad as number two, which is being rude. And then reason number three was contact information wasn't easily accessible. Now, I can give you all 10 of them, uh, but a lot of these are just common sense. But let's go to a recent survey. And by the way, every year I do a customer service survey, if you will, or an experience survey. Last year I started it uh, before COVID, and this year I waited until, and, and as we're, Doing this recording today, uh, the report is just coming out. I wanted to wait till after we got through all the mess of COVID and the businesses being shut down to where consumers were going back to a somewhat normal uh, lifestyle to ask these similar questions, but we ask them. You know what's important to you. And number one is we want our employees that we're dealing with, the employees that we call the agents, the you know salespeople. We want them to be knowledgeable about their products and services. We want them to be helpful and kind. Uh, those are you know the reasons people want to come back. So apathy and rudeness are the exact opposite of that Um, and I actually had somewhere in my report I was looking for the exact um, let's see if I can find them and if I can't find them it doesn't matter but the point is uh, rudeness and apathy were right at the top of the list as to why customers would not want to come back and do business with you. Not being able to find your uh, the, the contact information was actually the third most popular reason, or unpopular, if you think about how it drove customers away. But uh, that's real important to understand. We have to know that in order to give our customers the best experience. By the way, there's also three reasons you would terminate the customer, and that those are to me obvious as well but if uh, you know you're not able to meet the customers expectations no matter what you do you know what say thank you and uh, if they're rude or really you know what I would, using foul language toward um, your team members that's another reason stand up for your own people and if the customer just doesn't pay then you may eventually have to part ways by the way if you do this and you do terminate the relationship Try to do it in a way that at least leaves the door open even ever so slightly, even if they're rude, they're mean. Maybe they'll see the error of their ways and come back and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Give me another shot. And you know what? Everybody deserves that uh, if they have acted in a way that's inappropriate and they finally realize, I was wrong, I'll say I'm sorry. Because you know what? As a company, dealing with a customer, we don't have to act belligerent toward a customer, but if we're wrong, we need to admit we're wrong. Because saying you're sorry is really important when there's a problem. Even if it's not your fault, it's still something that needs to be said. You can't say, I'm personally sorry, if you don't feel comfortable, but what you can say, on behalf of my company, I'm so sorry, this isn't the kind of relationship we want to have. This isn't the kind of experience we want you to have. So what can we do to get this back on track? Let's work together to make that happen.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think it's really important that you brought up standing up for your people, um, because right now we're having a little bit of an epidemic of people being pretty nasty <laughs> to yes. service people. And I'm encouraged by some of what I've seen with the uh, employers really standing up for their people and, and giving them kind of days off and things like that when it when it gets a little rough. But, you know, as we talk about, you know, keeping people invested in the relationship on both sides of the customer and the brand, what what do you think is one takeaway our listeners can use to take their team to kind of that next level of customer service so that their customers will be back? over and over again yeah
2: yeah one of my favorite chapters is the final chapter so I'm gonna give away some really good information right here and and by the way everything I write about if you you can find it somewhere in a video and an article and eventually when I've written enough of these things I kind of compile it together as a book um, and expand on some of these ideas this is one of my favorite chapters it's the final chapter I call it where the rubber hits the road Mm -hmm. and this is where you sit down with some of your team members and you figure out how can I get our customers to want to come back so I'll take you through the process uh, number one ask yourself a question why would someone do business with me instead of our competitor and I don't want you to say things like because we have great service we have great people because I'll guarantee your customers are saying or I'm sorry your competition is saying the exact same thing about how they treat their customers and get them to come back. So let's get something really specific. Maybe you have a process that's different. Maybe you have a product that you sell that nobody else can sell. So it's proprietary to you. Those would be reasons customers might want to come back. And of course you want to still create that friendly atmosphere with the service. Now, number two, ask yourself, why do customers do business with the competition instead of you? And if they're doing something different, you should take a look at that. You should know what that is. And you should say, is that something we need to be doing? And if it is, then the step three is to keep pace. But I don't want you to just copy it. I want you to make it your own. Give a little spin on it. What makes it different? In some cases, it may be exactly the same. But if there's a way to personalize it, do it. I'll give you an example the amenity wars in the hotel business. Years <laughs> ago, somebody decided, hey, let's put a newspaper on the doorstep of everybody, uh, everybody's, you know, all the guests. And somebody across the street from that hotel said, did you hear what they're doing? Let's do that, too. OK, and then, it's like, <laughs> hey, let's put two newspapers out there. Hey, let's uh, <laughs> let's do something in the room. Let's give them bottles of water. Let's let's add a mint to the pillow. Let's I mean, there's all these amenities and I call it the amenity wars. And eventually they became commodities, not amenities. It's what you yep. expected when you you went there. Um, I actually did an event for a, and by the way, we're still on number three and I'm diverting here with the story. I did an event for a chain of hotels, lo- what I would call lower end, the type of hotel you would go to that might cost 80 bucks, a hundred bucks, 40 bucks, whatever. It was a lower end hotel. Uh, they leave the light on for you. If that gives you a hint, if you remember those <laughs> commercials from years ago. So, you know, roadside highway type hotels, not the Ritz Carlton or, you know, the Four Seasons. And I'll never forget going in, and they said, um, I it, it was like $49, okay? Mm-hmm. So they said, oh, by the way, we don't put a mint on the pillow, but what we have here, and they pulled out a basket filled with jumbo-sized candy bars that probably cost $2 in the store, maybe more, okay? If you went to a movie theater, it would be 8 or $10. These were big candy bars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went, And uh, they go, no, this is for you. And by the way, if you want more than one, you're happy to do that. And I thought to myself, that candy bar costs at least $2. They're willing to spend, if I do my math right, uh, what is that, about 5% of what I'm paying them on a candy (laughs) bar, okay? But they see that as not only amenity, uh, they see it as a differentiator because they even said, most hotels will leave you a little mint on your pillow. We like to take it to the next level. (laughs)
0: <laughs> this is just, so,
2: so there is an example of copying something and then making it their own. Um, all right. Step four is to take a look at companies outside your industry and ask yourself, what is it that I love about other companies that I do business with personally and professionally? And. I'm gonna ask that and uh, I want the team to answer and you're gonna hear, I love the restaurant down the street. Why? Give me all the reasons you love them. I love the shoe repair guy uh, who's, you know, where I take my shoes. Why? They always get back to me. They tell me the shoe's gonna be ready on Thursday. They call me on Tuesday and say, it's ready. They're always doing it ahead of what I expected. And I, by the way, accepted what they told me it would be. I just love that they do that. I love Amazon. Why? I don't know. They, They email me when they tell me, that uh, my order was placed, they let me know the tracking information, they um, you know, take a picture of whatever it is I bought and it's leaning up against my, my door and they send it to me to say, your package is here. And I know some people are going, but we're not Amazon, we're not even an e-commerce company. How does that apply to us? And that's the key. You've got to read between the lines. And when you write down all these different companies, and maybe it's a manufacturer and you love the inside sales rep because they do something special for you. It doesn't matter, B2B, to B2C, to read between the lines. That Amazon example isn't about emailing me about a package that I uh, is being in transit. What they're doing is they're giving me information. When you give a customer information, they start to feel in control of their situation and they like that. It really has nothing to do with the fact that they're an e-commerce company. So what is it that these companies are doing and interpret it in such a way that you see what the real value is. Then step five, take a look at what this is. Decide, can I do this in my business too? And now as you start to add some of that, you're now putting into place um, ideas and processes that your competitor doesn't have because it's outside of the industry. And finally, number six, go back and ask yourself the same question why now should someone do business with me after i've implemented these ideas and strategies and tactics that i've learned in this process
0: Man, i love that that is uh, a great process and i love the uh, i love the phrase read between the lines cuz it's really about it's extracting principles not to, you know, people get very linear, linearly focused on well we don't do that we don't do that but it's about learning the principles and applying it so i absolutely love that well, well we, you. Uh, you and I and Jeannie, the three of us could talk customer service, I think, for the entire day. Uh, but So we're going to wrap up with our little final question here, and uh, hopefully someone sent it to you ahead of time. But we're trying to ask everyone this season a question about the future of customer experience. So mm. it is, when you think about the future of customer experience, what is the one thing you are most excited about?
2: Wow. Um, well, you know, the future, in my mind, nothing's changed. Currently, 59% of uh, consumers that we studied would rather talk to somebody on the phone. 41% they would choose digital self-service options first. I see that increasing, getting better, and those numbers starting to flip, and that digital experience will be a quick fast way to take care of a customer. It doesn't matter what kind of business you're in. And if we do it right, they're going to love us for it. And they're not going to want to leave us because they recognize just how convenient it is to do business with us. By the way, if they need a human to human interaction, it's easy to get. Mm -hmm. Nice.
1: Very nice. Yes. Oh, I agree. We could keep going and going and going. (laughs) But if people want to just, you know, pick up this book, dive in, get all of these great ideas and resources. How can they find your book and where is the best way that they can learn more about you?
2: Sure. Well, I'll I'llbebackbook.com is the website. And by the way, if you're listening to this before the book comes out, you can Actually, buy the book through the website, and you'll instantly get the download for the ebook. So you'll get your customers to say, I'll be back before you even get the book. Otherwise, you can order it there. You can order it on Amazon. And if you want to learn more about me, just go to H y k e n. H-Y-K-E-N.com.
1: Excellent. Always a pleasure to have you here, Shep. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Great to uh, chat with you all. Thank you, Shep.
1: Well, as always, a great conversation. And I think it's really interesting to hear about how Shep was viewing the future at the end there, where we're going to be shifting more and more to digital, but customers will love it because they're going to get what they need. It's going to be a convenient way to interact and to answer those questions and everything else. And I totally agree with that. I think that's the future we're moving into. And so when we interview Shep for his ninth book, (laughs) which I'm sure will happen... (laughs) I think we're going to revisit those numbers and find out how close he was because I think those are going to be switching as well.
0: Yeah, and I love the point, and this is something I've always philosophically aligned with Chef on: is that you know the fundamentals of customer service don't change. The technology mm-hmm. is a how it's you know what is the mechanism, what is the approach for delivering uh, value and to expectations and emotionally resonant experiences. And mm-hmm. I think you know Chef always captures that really well, and it's important to remember it
1: yes yes remember it share it train to it and live it and i think that's the part that is easier said than done in a lot of places (laughs) so (laughs) it's always good to take what you hear today and apply it to things in your business make sure you're you're turning these words into action
0: you know Jeannie, i know some customers that we would never terminate
1: we would never terminate our listeners. Our listeners are so important to us. And you know what's great? They come back. They come back episode after episode, season after season. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for your continued support. Of and for, and for not ter- and for not
0: terminating us. And I for not terminating saying, yes. us. Thank
1: yes. You. So Crack <laughs> the Customer Code. We are a proud member of C-Suite Radio. So be sure to check out all the great business content at csuiteradio.com and C-Suite com. We appreciate you being here with us all the time. I'm Jeannie Walters. You can learn more about me at experienceinvestigators.com.
0: And I'm Adam DePork, and you can find me at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take
1: care of your customers.